Chapter Fourteen of The Adventurous by Arthur B. Reeve. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Anne Fletcher. Chapter Fourteen: The Geophone. We had no more than reached the lobby of the hotel again when we found Hastings seeking us. Evidently, he had sensed that Kennedy was vexed at him for letting Winifred pass without finding out what was her mission. Oh, this time at least, I think I have something to tell you he hastened, drawing us aside. "'What is it about?' encouraged Kennedy eagerly. "'Paquita,' he replied, scanning our faces. "'She has returned to the hotel.' Kennedy's countenance betrayed some disappointment, for we already knew that. "'I saw Francis and Irene together, too,' went on Hastings. Again, Kennedy could not conceal his disappointment, for it was all an old story to us. Hastings was not to be gainsaid, however. "'Well, after Francis left Irene Maddox,' he continued, "'I saw that she was wrought up and nervous, so I watched her. She sought out Paquita.' He drew back, gratified at the flash of interest that Craig instantly betrayed. "'Indeed?' asked Craig. "'What took place?' "'I could not hear it all,' continued the lawyer, "'but it seemed as though Francis was pleading with Paquita for something. "'I heard the names of both Shelby and Winifred mentioned. "'Paquita seemed quite haughty. "'Whatever it was that Francis was after, "'I am quite sure that she was not successful.' "'I could see that Kennedy was actively trying to piece together "'the fragmentary information that we had gained during the evening. "'What it all meant I could not fathom.' but we knew enough to be quite sure that something important was afoot. First, Shelby had sent for Paquita and had his supposedly secret interview, of which we had learned enough to know that he had sought to influence the little dancer to let him alone. The meeting of Winifred and Irene we knew, as well as the meeting of Irene and Francis. It seemed that Francis Walcott had an interest in the events much more than we had expected, for failing to obtain any satisfaction from Irene, she had even swallowed her pride and sought out Paquita. What did it mean? Was Frances really trying to play the matchmaker? Was it for her brother Shelby that she showed the concern? Or was it for her sister-in-law, Winifred? There was a positive motive in the fact that a marriage between the two might more closely protect her own interests. "'They were talking,' pursued Hastings, "'when I saw her husband, Johnson, coming from the café. "'I think Paquita must have seen him first, "'for she cut the interview short very curtly and left her, "'though not before Johnson saw them together. "'He came over to his wife, "'and I think he was a trifle angry at what he'd seen. "'At any rate, it seemed that she was endeavouring to explain something to him "'in that he did not in the least approve. "'Could you hear anything?' queried Kennedy. Not a thing, except that there seems to be something about which the Walcotts do not quite agree. I wondered whether Johnson Walcott's dissatisfaction had been more at finding his wife talking with Paquita than at the romance between Shelby and his own sister. In the café he had seemed to be far from delighted over the affair. Francis, on the other hand, bore every evidence of wishing to promote the match. It was a strange romance that we were watching. Was there anything else? asked Kennedy. No, replied Hastings. They walked away, still talking earnestly, and I think they've gone to their rooms. 
winifred was not about no i saw shelby finally though but he seemed to be preoccupied and didn't give me a chance to speak to him and where is he in the cafe i suppose riley's approach at that moment served to introduce a new element into the situation you saw mito again asked kennedy the secret service man nodded saw him take his master's things into the cafe and then to his room after that he managed to slip away again he seems to have something on his mind i don't know what it is we had a glimpse of sanchez and he's about but keeping very low what has he been doing hmm, nothing in the open as far as i know returned riley he may be planning something i don't like him any more than my man likes mito these japs and wops are deep ones kennedy smiled but said nothing to riley any foreigner was a suspicious character if for no other reason than that he could not understand him any word from mr burke i reiterated riley nodded yes he'll be here soon now i think nothing else on mito or sanchez resumed kennedy riley negatived trouble with them is they know i'm watching them he explained and when a man knows he's being watched it's easy for him there's only one way to get him and that's to stick so close that it means a fight we've had one and i hate to take the responsibility of another without orders from mr burke another fight with mito might not turn out so luckily either besides i don't know that we want it to come to a fight yet sanchez looks as though he might give an account of himself these dark fellows are all knife men you know i decided that it was best to pick up what we could without making a scene kennedy shrugged there seemed to be nothing to criticize though it was a shame that circumstances were such that we were compelled to be content with fragments at a time when we needed every scrap of information it's getting late he observed glancing at his watch i think we might leave the field to riley to cover walter while we retire to our rooms good night mr hastings uh, you'll tell mr burke to wake us no matter what time he comes in he added turning to riley the secret service man agreed and together kennedy and i went back to our suite a second time i was glad enough to go too for i wanted to see what the instrument was which he had installed in the garage as we entered i could not help thinking of winifred's action and why she had cut shelby off so shortly was it a case of intuition or was it merely what often passes for intuition the capacity for making hasty and incorrect judgments on slender grounds what too was mito was it he who had committed the murder of marshal maddox had he stolen the teletomaton plans i wondered whether after all he might not be in the service of some foreign government perhaps even be a spy with scarcely a word kennedy had taken his position at the table on which he had placed the peculiar miniature transmitter holding it to his ear and listening intently is anyone talking there i asked supposing that it was some special form of the detectorphone which he was using i don't expect there'll be any talking he replied in fact there may be only one person for all i know and he certainly won't talk to himself a knock at our door cut short further inquiry i opened it cautiously 
and was greeted by the cheery voice of Burke, who had come in on the last train. "'I think I've earned a rest to-night,' he remarked, dropping down into the easiest chair he could find. "'I'm tired, but at least I have some satisfaction for the day's work.' "'What have you found?' asked Kennedy eagerly, remembering that Burke had devoted himself first of all to tracing what had become of the deadly wireless destroyer itself. "'For one thing,' replied Burke slowly, "'I am convinced, as far as I can be, regarding something I don't actually know, "'that the teletomedon model is out here at Westport, at least not far away.' "'What makes you think so?' I asked quickly. "'That clue of the car waiting near the office interests me,' went on Burke slowly. "'I wasn't able to get anything out of the rookie on the beat, "'but I went on the supposition that somewhere between here and New York I might find a clue.' and i found several clues from constables and special officers in towns between westport and the city a car answering the description was seen at several points and the time matches up so i think it's safe to conclude that we're on the right track the model is out here somewhere i'm sure have you made any progress in running down your band of foreign criminals asked kennedy Oh, no trace so far, returned Burke, still cheerfully, except that it's entirely likely that Mito or Paquita or that fellow Sanchez may be the outside workers. Of course, they would cover up their connection pretty closely. We can't expect to beat the most clever minds of the continent as easy as we would a gang of sneak thieves. Riley tells me you've been in the city most of the day. Have you uncovered anything?' Briefly, Kennedy outlined what had happened, coming down to the events of the evening down on the beach. Another knock on the door, and Riley entered. "'You didn't come down, so I knew that Mr. Kennedy and Mr. Jameson were awake. You don't mind my coming in?' "'Oh, not a bit,' returned Kennedy. "'We were just going over what I had gathered today. I was telling about that meeting between Francis and Irene Maddox.' Riley's face assumed the same look of perplexity as it had when we left him, nonplussed by the queer actions of the Maddox family. "'You saw it?' demanded Burke. "'What do you make of it?' "'I don't know,' confessed Riley. "'Maybe it means something, maybe not. I think it does. There's some kind of difference between those two women. I can't make it out.' They seem to be so friendly at first. Why, they even tell me Mrs. Walcott backed Mrs. Maddox in her fight with Mr. Maddox over that Paquita. But now it's different, and it's growing worse. Naturally enough, commented Burke, if Marshall Maddox was separated from his wife, don't you see he would have destroyed his will in her favor? If he was intestate, as it is most likely, then the other heirs, his brother and sister, stand to gain. There are no children. Mrs. Maddox has her interest in a third. They can't take that away from her. But no doubt it makes her feel as if she'd been done out of something to see the others get what might have been hers under different circumstances. Oh, that's it, I guess, considered Riley. I've heard her say that she thought now that Paquita was put up to winning Marshal Maddox away from her, so that the others would benefit. Mm, pretty deep, pondered Burke, but not impossible. If she thinks that way, I interposed, 
it might account for her attitude towards winifred she might be just jealous enough not to want her to come into not only shelby's share but part of the remainder on the other hand i reconsidered remembering my first theory mrs maddox with her third interest is much better off than she was on what had been allowed her during the life of marshal maddox mm. shelby maddox profits by it any way you look at it observed burke following out our general review of possible motives where's he now gone up to his room i suppose replied riley and Mito? in the servants quarters unless he manages to slip out and get into some more deviltry confounded riley broke in burke you've got to trail these people better what's the matter haven't you enough men to shh cautioned craig from his place at the instrument on the table his face showing intense attention to something what's that asked burke kennedy was busy for the moment and did not answer but a minute or so later he replied a geophone designed originally to record earth tremors micro small amplitude earth shakings it is really a microphone the simplest form of telephone applied to the earth hence its name any high school student in physics could make one all that's necessary is to place that simple apparatus which mr jameson saw on the ground anywhere and attach it to a microphone receiver at the other end of the wire you can hear an earthquake or a big gun or someone walking about hello here's our friend again craig was again listening intently what the most sensitive mechanical eavesdropper could not overhear this little geophone was now transmitting to him someone is in that garage he reported to us those are footsteps our frame-up is working he never would have gone there unless he thought we were not only going to go there to-morrow ourselves but were out of sight now too by george there's another there are two of them i listened a moment myself with kennedy the diaphragm vibrated terrifically and then suddenly all was still what was going on kennedy dropped the receiver on the table regardless of what might happen to its delicate adjustment jumped up and dashed out into the hall downstairs he went not waiting for an elevator for it was only three flights we followed madly past the amazed night clerk and out the back door of the hotel as we entered the garage in the fitful light we could see a dark mass on the floor craig flashed his electric bull's-eye in the circle of light we saw that it was a man Craig turned the form over. It was Mito, dead. End of chapter 14